Greetings, Mind Crafters, and welcome to another Mind Craft discussion on this scorchy July day in uh, northern Vermont, which we don't get too many of these, but we have one today. Um, and uh, it's actually the fourth. These these shows air two weeks later, but uh, all little parades and stuff going on. In fact, in our town, our town is such a small Vermont town that you, I think they kind of have to decide who's in the parade and who watches, you know, because it's only like a thousand people. There are actually more cows than people in our town. And uh, we also had a wonderful uh, barbecue on Saturday with friends, and we're headed to another one in just a couple hours. So that, to me, is a lot of what we're talking about, which is just friends and food and wine and slowing it all down and all like that. So um, so I'm on a Sarah Bon Brednick kick. I'm also on a Wayne Dyer kick on the YouTube, actually. But I go on and off, and, uh, and, and I also often reference people. People send me podcasts and articles and books and and uh movies and all kinds of things and and so i actually am all over the place with it but i definitely have like a my staple list and sarah von Brednack is on, on there so anyway she her book simple abundance is it's a day book of comfort and joy and, and i love it because it's little short little things it's just a daily kind of positive affirmations mixed in with seasonal insight into you know some I would say, you know, smaller life changes that can lead to bigger life changes, but the whole point is simplicity, obviously, right? So she starts out with a quote by B.F. Skinner, and if you don't know who he is, I'm, I'm going to guess probably most people do, but um, as I'm in the psychology field, he's he's uh, right up there, you know, at the top as far as um, one, more of the, uh, one of the more well-known behavioralists you know, from back in the day, he's the pigeon guy. And also, um, you know, the whole, you know, just like a homing pigeon, that's him. Got the whole guided missile thing came out of him from his work with pigeons, which is just a little psychology fun fact I'll throw in here. Nothing to do with our topic, but uh, fun fact nonetheless. So B.F. Skinner starts out by saying, the one fact that I could cry from every housetop is this, the good life in capitals is waiting for us here and now. The good life is waiting for us here and now. And I'll tell you, I was reading this little, it's only a page and a smidge, like a page and a fourth, I'd say. I was reading this earlier because I was working on the Mindful Times newsletter that I do for Champlain College. It's the last one until until school start. well, right before school starts. And so I wanted to find something short and sweet that was also people are going to soak up, you know. And and so I just kind of landed on this because, again, I think in the summer, we've talked about this in a few episodes, that there's a good time to do lots of the things we're talking about. Start a new gratitude practice, do this, do that. Summer just for some reason makes most things easier. Some, Some things are specific to winter and fall and spring. But some, because, you know, the days are longer, fresh veggies, fresh fruits are all in season, but you've got more, more life minute time in the day to get out and do stuff, you know, at least if you're in the north anyway. The days being longer affects most people, I guess, unless you're on the extreme ends of the, you know, by the, you know, extreme end, ends of the north and south pole. Um, but anyway, it's, it's just really a good time to contemplate and reflect on where you are with your life. And I'm telling you, I'm going to, I did a I did a YouTube earlier similar to this actually, 
about、um, how free you feel. You want to you want to、uh, chime into that one? I think that actually might have aired. I haven't said. I think it aired yesterday, which for which would be the fourteenth of I think the fourteenth of July. So this will be the this is the fifteenth of July. So that might be worth because it's kind of related to this in a sense because we often kind of muddle around. You know, just you know, an autopilot, which you know is the biggest waste of life minutes there could possibly be, not even aware of how free we are to do. I don't mean, you know, if it's the Fourth of July, which what what inspired me, but I don't mean on that level. That obviously rolls into it, absolutely, obviously. But I meant more personally free, and so the good life is very much related to what I was talking about yesterday, and so. Sarah starts out. She says, "In 1932, during the darkest days of the Great Depression, Scott and Helen Neering abandoned life in New York City to become 20th century pioneers in the Green Mountains of Vermont." Yay! She says they were socialists, pacifists, and vegetarians. They were also inventive visionaries determined to create a completely self-sufficient lifestyle that was solely dependent on their wits, hard work. And perseverance, and I mean, this is a super cool, super cool story here. And I also wanted to chime in because it's, it's, you know, obviously Thoreau. I mean, I think, and this is this is great too. And it's it's certainly kind of it's like the sauce on the on the Sunday of of Thoreau, I suppose. We all kind of know his whole Walden Wald, sorry Walden Pond thing, you know, and and being、uh, talking about、um, you know life going by, knowing he hadn't even lived it, kind of thing. Obviously, it's a huge paraphrase. But it is true, or and it is true that the simple, the simpler the better. And this is such a challenge in in today's you know fast paced media saturated media saturated world that I think probably now more than ever we need this message, and now more than ever is it probably tougher to break through to reach us almost. I mean it's just so busy and. I wanted to jump in here too with the good life thing because you know Marty Seligman, I'm a huge fan. I love him. He talks about the good life as well, and though it's not about you know,、um, you know, making your own, churning your own butter, and all of that. Well, in a sense, it could be. He talks about,、um, you know, the pleasure being the first level, and not to dismiss it because it's enjoyable to watch a sunset, have a burger, snuggle with a partner. I mean, that's all. Fleeting pleasures, but it's still good. And then the next level, which is、um, you know kind of flow, like the work of Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi, where we're immersed in something that's joyful, joyful for us. You know, playing the violin. You know, where we lose track of time, lose track of you know kind of who we are. We're one with the violin, or skiing, or cooking, whatever it is. And then the highest level being meaning. And so that I had to kind of interject because that rolls right in with. How B.F. Skinner started us off,、um, one of the behaviorists from back in the day, early to middle twentieth、uh, century, and also not early, early, but fifties ish and sixties ish, so middle, I guess.、Um, and how it rolls into here because I'm going to continue, and really,、uh, the nearings were all about,、um, you know, meaning and purpose and finding that via. Living a simpler life. So here we go. So、um, she said that、uh, Sarah said that they were looking to have, you know, have this self-sufficient lifestyle. It was solely dependent on, basically, on their own efforts, right? Hard work and perseverance. So she says the Nearings went in search of the good life, simplicity, 
freedom from anxiety, that's huge, an opportunity to be useful and live harmoniously. Two decades later, they had succeeded and wrote a homesteading handbook, Living the Good Life, How to Live Sanely and Simply in a Troubled World. This book barely caused a ripple when it was published in 1954. Those uh, were the affluent post-war years when a television in every living room, a barbecue grill in every backyard, and a station wagon in every suburban driveway was considered the good life. But in 1970, when the book was published as a paperback, it became a bestseller in the Bible of alienated barefoot baby boomers in search of flower power, love, peace, and communal nirvana. You know, and right now I really want to hone in on the way back then in in the 40s and into the 50s, you know, when they thought that was tough to break through with, you know, all the post-war affluence and the station wagons and the barbecues and all that stuff. If we, and of course we can't really compare because we don't, if we don't know what it would like to be them then without the knowledge of the future, right? Of course. Um, though I think if we could, you know, do like back to the future thing, like only the reverse and have the people in the fifties see how saturated, uh, you know, our minds are with media technology in general, um, just fast paced everything. I I'm kind of curious what they would think and, and the anxiety levels they wanted to, re- they wanted to reduce anxiety back then. And it, obviously they, they had some, some anxiety. And I just, I just don't know, because um, it isn't fair to compare, though it's tough to not try, because I think we buzzed them into 2023 from you know, 1948 or something, or 1952 or whatever. They would probably, the, those you know people that would probably be awestruck at you know how anxiety and depression, other mental illnesses as well, have become epidemic at least in the United States. I love my country dearly. It's just true. In fact, that's not even my opinion because depression was just bumped up and not even recently. It was like five, maybe five years ago. Don't quote me on the year, but it was semi-recently. Depression has been bumped up in the United States right up there with um, smoking and obesity as a leading cause of death in this country because it's, it's, it's absolutely epidemic and anxiety. And I know from working with young adults, teaching young adults who I love. I mean, they're my niche and I love them absolutely so much. They, they have a lot to contend with in this day and age. And, you know, they get so much bad press for being immersed in their phones and everything and being so anxious and they can't handle anything. There's a lot of truth to that, but I think we shouldn't blame them because um, there's a lot of truth that it's tough for them to handle things that those of us who are seasoned folks you know, see, they seem to us not to be as big of a deal, but obviously we're not them. And here's the thing. What's a huge difference between I'm a fabulous 58. So my, my crew and the now young adults is that when they were born, iPhones were already here. And so they don't even know life without, without this perpetual disruption, yanking them out of the present moment and, you know, automatically having them compare themselves to other people, constantly measuring up. None of us who are seasoned adults can possibly fathom what that's like. And plus, it wouldn't be our seasoned adult self evaluating it. That's back when you're, you know, a teenager, young adult, when, it, when you know, you're in that still of caring a lot about what people think and that, that what was then called in uh, developmental psychology, I don't know if it's still called that, the silent audience. 
you know, you start to lose that after a while as you, as you grow older, but for teenagers and, and young adults, I mean, right up through their twenties, you know, the Gen, Gen Zers are super image conscious because they've grown up with it. When they, when they arrived on this earth, all of this intrusive stuff and make pretend land was already here. So as it goes, the nearings we're talking about built a stone house by hand when um, the, the wife, I got her name's here someplace. Anyway, the wife was in her 70s and her husband was in his 90s. Go figure that. They ended up moving from Vermont to Maine because um, a ski resort was being built up around their farm. And so they wanted out of Dodge. So just so they ended up starting over, same idea, starting over. And then Sarah says, as for the life they led after the house was built, good doesn't begin to do it justice. She says, try saintly. Living the good life is often described as, meaning the book, it's in italics, as this century's Walden. But the nearing's asceticism makes Thoreau, who loved his salt pork, look like a sabarite. Cyberite? Sybarite. I don't think I'm saying that right. Anyway, they drank only water, juices, and herbal brews and consumed little more than raw fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. And it has in quotes that have finished their life cycle. My God, this makes me just feel like like some kind of raptor or something because I love burgers and steaks. I don't mean only that. I eat pretty well, actually. I try to kind of, because I love them so much, I have to kind of pace myself with those things. But the vegetables and mean tea all day, wine with dinner, ugh, this is, it is saintly. I agree. I'm 100% on with that. Okay, so it says they drank only water. Sorry, I got swayed by the herbal brews. They drank only water, juices, and herbal brews and consumed little more than raw fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds that had finished their life cycle. Oh, my gosh. And copious quantities of popcorn, I would imagine. Okay. So then they said there was no salt, sugar, tea, coffee. Oh, my God. I'm like, I can't even imagine. I'm not a huge salt person or sugar person. The tea would, would, would be tough. There was no salt, sugar, tea, coffee, dairy products, or eggs in their pantry. And naturally, they did not smoke or drink alcohol. I also do not smoke. The only two I care about are tea and wine. But those would be those would be tough sells for me to get rid of. Then it says honey was used only sparingly because it exploited the bees. Wow. And maple syrup, which they had tapped and sold for cash or bartered, was swallowed with a, swallowed with a smidgen of guilt because it sucked, quote, the lifeblood of noble maple trees, end quote. Wow, that's incredible. And then, um, this is not a big surprise. Scott's the husband. He lived to be 100, and Helen is, is the wife. Who, this book was written a long time ago, so dear Helen has probably since passed, because this, this book was published like at least, I don't even know, 20 years ago at least. Perhaps the secret to the, okay. So Helen says is now 91, so gosh, 90-something and 100. That's incredible. Perhaps the secret to the good life is revealed in the Nearing's simply abundant suggestions for living less stressfully when Helen shared in her, oh, sorry, which Helen shared in her moving memoir, Loving and Leaving the Good Life. This is incredible. This is also making me think of, I mean, it's totally Disneyed out and everything, but way back when I loved that movie. It was called The Wilderness Family. And it, too, is super dated. I forget it was the 80s or maybe even 70s or 90s. I don't know, a long time ago. Really, really long time ago. And they felt that the then world was so fast-paced. And it was for people then, I'm sure. Airlift them to today and see what they say about it. I don't know. But um, 
people then wanted wanted out. You know, that, I remember the family, and they then it got tougher with you know the Grizzlies and everything. But the people were in the pursuit of of the simple life and and peace and fewer distractions and quality family time being together. And there's also the you know the hands on hard work thing and um, you know uh, being in the present moment. Just all the everything that simplicity has to offer and think about it that there are books and movies written about it because underneath it all i think many of us really yearn for that even if our current life circumstances um might make that challenging i think underneath it all we all really crave inner peace i know that i need to be in the woods every single day little giovanni and i is actually right next to me taking a snooze even if it's a day where i'm there's some hustle. There's some commitments. We get up earlier. Sometimes, sometimes it happens where we, I get up so early. I actually, I actually have to wait for it to get a little bit lighter because we don't. The bears are still out if we go too early. It doesn't happen that much, and not in the summer anyway. But um, I need I need the woods like I need to breathe oxygen. Okay. So anyway, Helen, in her book Loving and Leading the Good Life, gives us all some suggestions. So here is the list. She says, "Do the best you can." whatever arises. I love that. I'm a big set the bar, do your best person myself. She says, be at peace with yourself. Amen. Find a job you enjoy. Yes. Live in simple conditions, housing, food, clothing, get rid of clutter. Next one, contact nature every day. Feel the earth under your feet. The next one, take physical exercise through hard work, through gardening or walking. Okay, seven, seven, don't worry, live one day at a time. Oh my gosh, I love that. It's also a 12-step slogan because I think the whole idea is most of us can handle what happens in one day, no matter how bad, if we have support. And then eight, share something every day with someone else, even if you live alone. Write someone, give something away, help someone else somehow. Nine, take time to wonder at life and the world. See some humor in life where you can. And then the next must be 10, observe the one thing, sorry, observe the one life in all things. Observe the one life in all things. 11, be kind to the creatures. And then Sarah winds up with saying, I have no doubt that if we live these suggestions every day, not just thought about them, we would realize as the nearings did that the good life is truly here and now. No question. And like I was saying, I, I really, I know, I know that, that this is central for me. And it's also why I've done, you know, a bunch of pod- podcasts on essentialism, because sometimes it takes us, I think, to grow in years, you know, to midlife and you start to really, or you, just, you get thrown a curveball by life that throws you into it to really realize that none of this is going with us. Not that square footage, the house, right? Not the nice new dining room set you just bought, not the whatever, the new deck you just finished, the new car, the whatever, whatever. none of it's going with us. And relationships in the end and that quality time are, you know, they're all that really matter. I think we all know that, but when we get caught up in the fast paced world and the fairness to us, it's, it's busy. It's hard. It's not like it's hard. I mean, it, it just is. Um, the simpler we can try to make things for ourselves in this busy world, the better off we will be because, um, The good life really is right here, right now. This is Kimberly Quinn signing off from the beautiful northern Vermont. Have a mindful day.